0: As we open God's word, let's ask him to enlighten it for us. So let's pray together. Remember your word, dear servants, in which you have made us hope. This is our comfort in affliction that your promise gives us life. Your words have been our songs in the house of our sojourning. By your spirit, please show us Christ now, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. And please turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, well-known words of the Great Commission. And also keep your uh, hymnals open to Lord's Day 26. We'll be talking about that together as we consider what we know about baptism and how to think about that as we continue our consideration of what God's Word teaches us regarding the sacraments. And so, of course, in Matthew chapter 28, uh, Jesus gives his last instructions to the disciples. We often refer to this as the Great Commission. And so we'll read from Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. This is God's own word. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Then I'll also read briefly just a couple of verses from 1 Corinthians 6 9 through 11. Thus far, the reading of God's word, may He bless it to us. Well, last week we began an important discussion of the sacraments, and the sacraments, helpfully, uh, that discussion in the Heidelberg Catechism importantly tells us not just the importance of faith, but where faith comes from. That faith is formed by the preaching of the Holy Gospel. Uh, that faith is fortified by the use of the holy sacraments, that using the sacraments helps to build up, to confirm, to strengthen our faith. We talked about that. And we talked about, importantly, how the sacraments focus our faith on the one sacrifice of Christ as the only ground of our salvation. We talked about how the Word points us to Christ and Him crucified. The sacraments point to Christ and Him crucified. We talked about that in a general way. Uh, We talked at the end of that Lord's Day that Christ has instituted two sacraments to perform that function, uh, one being holy baptism, the other being the Lord's Supper, and so we want to begin to think about uh, baptism in a more organized way tonight, hopefully it'll be organized, um, to think about what baptism is and what it means for God's people, and particularly how how it does that work of focusing us on Christ and His cross. Um, it's one thing to say that it does it, it's another thing to understand how it does it. Um, and that's what the Catechism wants to move through and, and discuss with both of the sacraments. How do they do the work that they are supposed to do? How do they do that work that is promised to us in God's Word? Um, And so we see this important institution of our Lord talking about baptism, talking about that being an important work of the church in the world, that to go and make disciples and to baptize them, uh, to bring them into the family of God, Um, and that important reminder of the Apostle Paul of what kind of sinners we all once were, but that we have been washed um, and that baptism helpfully reminds us what we've been, how we've been washed and what we've been saved from by the grace of our God. And so we want to think about those things together and think more in a particular way about holy baptism. And the, the catechism has a way of proceeding when it goes through uh, explaining the sacraments. It has a, a method to how it does it. Um, and it's good for us to understand that method uh, so that we see how the, how the teaching tool that's given to us is working in this instance. And baptism and the Lord's Supper are both explained in a similar way. There's one Lord's Day that ba- explains the basics of the sacrament, and then there's another Lord's Day that answers questions that might come up about the sacrament. Um, and so always the first Lord's Day about the, the sacrament is dealing with the basics, Um, And then the second is raising important questions to clarify how we understand the sacraments working and how we understand them functioning. And so that's how these two Lord's Days, 26 and 27, will work with the sacrament of baptism. Uh, The first one will say, what is it? What does it do? How does it do the work we've said sacraments do in in uniting us to Christ, pointing us to Christ? How does it do that work? And then ask important clarifying questions. Um, So so today we're going to cover the basics of baptism. Um, And you you have to ask basic questions, right, Uh, when you're trying to be basic, the, the, the basic questions, who, what, where, when, why, how, we're going to answer some of those questions as the catechism raises them and answers them. And so how do we want to think about the sacrament of baptism this evening together? Well, first we want to think about the how. How is it that baptism points us to the one sacrifice of Christ as the only ground of our salvation? If that's what sacraments are there to do according to the catechism, how does holy baptism do that? How does baptism point to Christ's cross. Um, and then what is it to be washed in the blood and spirit of Christ? Uh, that's what baptism is pointing us towards. And so what does that mean, to be washed in the blood and the spirit of Christ? And then finally, where do we find Christ making this promise in Scripture? All right, we want to be sure that we're not adding something or making something up when it comes to the sacraments, that they're what Christ said they would do and what they would be. And so we want to do that together. So how does baptism point us to Christ? What is it to be washed in the blood and the spirit of Christ? And where do we find Christ making that promise in the scripture? That's how this Lord's Day unfolds the doctrine of baptism for us, and that's how we want to look at it together. How does baptism do what it is intended to do? How does it direct our faith to Christ's death on the cross as our only ground, as the only ground of our salvation? How specifically does it do that? Um, And question 69 reminds us of that and and begins to answer that question. How does holy baptism remind and assure you that Christ's one sacrifice on the cross benefits you personally? Uh, In this way, Christ instituted this outward washing and with it promised that as surely as water washes away dirt from the body, so certainly his blood and his spirit wash away my soul's impurity, that is, all my sins. Um, The sacraments are there to remind us and assure us of invisible spiritual realities. Um, Another way of saying that is they signify and seal to us um, spiritual realities that are invisible, that are hard for us to wrap our minds around, that we need some illustration of. God comes to us in our weakness and says, it's one thing to hear it, Um, and to fix your mind on it with your ears, but it's another to see it presented to you in simple things that you understand, simple things as this world sees them, and to use them for a helpful spiritual purpose, uh, to point us to spiritually significant invisible realities. And we often talk about the sacraments as signs and seals that remind and assure us of what is true. Um, And that can sound like high-flying theological language until you just think simply about what a sign does. Um, A sign points you to something else. A sign points you to a reality. The sign is not the reality. It points you to the reality. We talked about that last week, right? You don't go gather underneath the sign outside of the church. The sign is pointing you to the church. You come inside. It's a sign that points us to a reality. It reminds us that there's a reality there. And a seal assures us that that reality is true, that what's promised is really there. Um, And that's what God is doing also in the, the sacrament of baptism, sealing to us, assuring to us, declaring to us that that thing is authentic. And we talked about that in the sacraments in general, but baptism has a specific thing that it's pointing us to, is using a specific sign and seal to point us to a specific reality, and that's the washing of water. A very simple thing, right? Something that we all understand. Um, even boys and girls understand that you wash with water. They sometimes don't want to do it. You have to wrangle them to get them to wash, but they understand the washing with water. It's a very simple picture that god gives to us to signify a very important spiritual reality and that's really helpful that the catechism says what is baptism trying to show us is trying to show us a washing with water that's what the sign is a washing with water just the way we all wash when we're dirty to get clean that's what's being signified in baptism And it's important that we understand that. You might be saying, I'm waiting for some profound theological truth. I understand washing with water. We're not getting very deep here. But that's important because there are a lot of people who don't understand what baptism is meant to signify. Uh, Most of our Baptist friends, if you ask them what is baptism meant to signify, will say what is showing that you go down into the water in death and you come out in life. Um, That's why they wonder how you fit somebody in there to be immersed. Because certainly if you can't be immersed, how, how can you show that you're going down into death completely and coming up to life? Right? Maybe you've had that with a, that conversation with a Baptist friend, or maybe if you were a Baptist and became Reformed, you had to wrestle with that. Why do they just sprinkle a little water on people? Why don't they immerse them? Is it, isn't it going down and coming out? And what is, what is the catechism helpfully saying? That was not what baptism was meant to show. The sacrament was established to show very simply that you wash with water and you become clean. And you can do that a lot of different ways. Right? You, you, can, you can shower the night before and when you wake up in the morning you just get a little cleaned up and go, out, but, and go about your day. You can shower when you wake up in the morning. You can take a bath. You can do a lot of different ways, but all of those ways get you clean in the end. And that's why we've always said the mode is not so important. If you want to immerse someone, that's fine. If you want to sprinkle someone, that's fine. So long as you don't lose the thread of what that sign is for. It's, it's to show a particular reality, and that reality is water washes dirty people and makes them clean. And it's important that we hold the significance of that sign in our mind because that's why our Lord gave it to us, so that we would understand water washes dirty people and makes them clean. He wanted to make sure we understand that because otherwise we won't understand what the sign is signifying, which is that Christ's blood and spirit wash dirty sinners and makes them clean. See, that's why we don't concern ourselves so much with the mode. If there was a Reformed person who wanted to have a baptismal font that someone got dunked in, we'd be fine with that. So long as you don't lose what it's meant to signify. Because it's meant to be very simple and we don't want to make it overly complicated. Or we lose what the sign is clearly pointing us to. That just as surely as water washes dirty people and makes them clean so does the blood and spirit of Christ wash dirty sinners and make them whole. We can't ever lose the thread of that, so we understand what that does. And when we understand the sign and the thing it's signifying, then we understand how it's pointing us to the cross of Jesus Christ. Because that's where the blood was poured out that makes us clean. That's where the blood was shed that washes filthy sinners and makes them clean. And so we're not just arguing with our Baptist friends for the sake of arguing. We just want to not lose the proper thread. That We have to remember that it's a washing. So we remember how we're being washed. That we're being washed with the blood and the spirit of Christ. That's how sinners are made whole. That's what baptism is signifying and sealing and the God's people. And that was something that God's people had always understood. That was something that the Old Testament spoke about. That sinners needed to be cleansed from their sin. Psalm 51, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean, wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. The the great hope in Ezekiel 36, 25, where God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols I will cleanse you. That's why when John the Baptist came along giving a baptism for the repentance of sins, people didn't say, what on earth is he doing? But people went out to him because they understood the significance of what God's word has said. There's a washing that makes you clean. And here comes a washer. We shouldn't. If you have a Baptist friend, they always tell you, "Well, John was a Baptist." Um, And I always say to my Baptist friends, "John was a washer." Um, That's what they were coming out to do. They were coming out to be washed, to be washed, to have their uncleanness washed away. They, They were hoping that was an eschatological hope, an end times hope. They were hoping in that maybe he was the one who could wash and make people clean. And that's why there was a glory to him saying, you think I'm washing? You haven't seen washing. You think I'm washing with water? Wait till you see the one who baptizes with the Spirit and with fire. That's a washing that will make you clean. And if you think I'm something great, I'm not fit to tie his shoes. That's what I'm hoping for, a washing that will make me clean. Um, The Old Testament spoke of it, and God's people were prepared for it. And Christ comes and he uses that picture, uh, so that God's people would understand he, he's offering a washing by his blood and his spirit that makes the spirit whole. Uh, that's what's being signified to us in baptism. So then we have to ask, well, how, how do we understand that being washed with the blood and spirit of Christ? What does that really mean when we get down to it? Um, How do we understand that? And the catechism helps us there too. Question 70 says, what does it mean to be washed with Christ's blood and spirit? To be washed with Christ's blood means that God by grace has forgiven our sins because of Christ's blood poured out for us in his sacrifice on the cross. This is so beautiful and so important how the catechism lays out what the washing of baptism represents because there are two particular washings Um, The blood and the spirit that are represented there in baptism. And if we miss part of what's going on there, we miss something of the glory of what God has given us as a picture. Um, Because those two pictures are very important. What does the washing of the blood remind us of? That our guilt has been removed. It's the washing of justification that's in mind there. That there's been a blood poured out for us that has atoned for our sins, that has removed our guilt Right? That's, that's the dirtiness of our souls, is the guilt that we bear on account of our sins. And it's the blood of Christ poured out for those sins that washes that guilt away. And so in a profound sense, we have to understand that the washing of Christ's blood, when that, when that water is applied to us and says, just as water washes away dirt from the body, so the blood of Jesus Christ washes away all the guilt of your soul. It doesn't leave any behind. The washing that Christ offers his people is a true and complete washing. His sacrifice for us on the cross was effective to eliminate our guilt. His blood is sufficient to wash away our sins. We always have to keep that in mind. There's no more guilt left once you're washed by the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ shed on the cross puts away all sin, all guilt. There's nothing left if we've been washed by the blood of Christ. That's why Peter can go so far as to say in 1 Peter 3.21, baptism which corresponds to this now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Um, he's celebrating that fact. That's what the blood has done. It's washed away our guilt. We have a clean conscience now. It's not just a removal of dirt from the body. Notice how that's how Peter understands it too. It's not just a removal of dirt from the body, but a testimony of a clean conscience, a good conscience. Why? The blood has washed away the guilt. Christ's blood is a washing of justification. It removes the guilt of our sins. There's nothing foul left. Remember that the next time you see a baptism. We hope to see one um, or more soon by God's grace. But remember that when the water comes, it's a picture of a complete washing that leaves nothing guilty there. That's what it is to be washed by the blood of Christ, to have guilt removed. So then what does it mean to be washed by the Spirit of Christ? Well, the catechism gets to that too, doesn't it? To be washed with the Christ Spirit means that the Holy Spirit has renewed and sanctified us to be members of Christ so that more and more we die to sin and live holy and blameless lives. What are the problems we have as as people? We have guilt as sinners and we also have all kinds of pollution, a miserable condition into which our sins have plunged us. And so what do we need to be washed of? Not just our guilt, but our pollution. The corruption that we carry around with us, the body of death that Paul talked about this morning, we need to be rescued from that as well. And baptism promises a rescue from both. It's not just a removal of the guilt that we have, but the pollution that we carry around. And that's why the the celebration is that it's a washing, not just by Christ's blood, but also by Christ's spirit. And what does Christ's spirit do? He cleanses us. He makes us holy. He renews us after the image of Jesus Christ. That's a washing of sanctification. That's the picture in baptism being made really clean. That our souls are made really clean by the blood and the spirit of Christ that removes all our guilt and the spirit of Christ that removes all of our corruption. That promises a renewal that we will die to sin more and more and live holy and holy and blameless lives that's that's the washing work that's begun by the spirit and is going to be completed on the day of Christ Jesus that we will be before him without guilt without pollution holy as he is holy that's what baptism is promising to us it's reminding us that that's what the cross of Christ has effected for his people who believe in him they're really washed they're really clean they're really whole before Him. And if you've been baptized, think back on that picture that was given to you. And think back on what that testifies to you. Because it's not just any water. The picture is not an abstract picture, right? I don't, I don't go over to the baptismal font and wash my hands in water and say, and just let you see it, right? What did Jesus tell any minister to do? You take that water and you put it on people. So all of us who belong to Christ, who put our faith and trust in Christ, at some point, water was put on you in a profound sense by the Lord to picture to you that just as surely as that water was put on you, so surely the blood and spirit of Christ have been put on you. And it makes the foulest clean. It removes the guilt. It removes the corruption. It makes you whole. That's what's being beautifully pictured to us in baptism. And how, and how do we know it's, it's that good? Right? You could be saying, Pastor, maybe that sounds great, but you could have made that up. I mean, that sounds like a great system. How, do, how are we sure that that's true? Well, and that's where we end by saying, isn't this what Christ promised us? Isn't this what Christ promised us in his word? Where do we see this in scripture? It's always a question we have to ask, right? Especially when we study the catechism. Make sure we keep coming back and say we're, we're interested in studying the word, not the catechism. We want the word to speak to us. The catechism is just summarizing for us. But those wonderful promises are contained in scripture. That's what question 71 is getting at. Where does Christ promise that we are washed with his blood and spirit as surely as we are washed with the water of baptism. Well, in the institution of baptism that we read, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. This promise is repeated when scripture calls baptism the washing of regeneration and the washing away of sins. Um, We've looked at the Great Commission, we've looked at 1 Corinthians 6.11, you were washed, right? Um, We can go back to that and think about that passage again together. Uh, You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. Do You see all the elements operating there? You were washed, you were justified, you were sanctified by the Spirit. Um, All of those things are being promised there. Um, Peter talked about that in Peter 3.21. We read from Titus 3 last week, where Paul beautifully reminds God's people, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Right There is the Spirit poured out by Christ, on his people, affecting renewal, regeneration, the washing of the Spirit. Um, Our sins have been washed away by his blood, Acts 22.16 tells us. And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Right, Washing away of our sins. Hebrews 10.22 says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Right? There again, the washing, the washing of God's people to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Right? He's washed us. He's made us clean. The washing of his spirit, we could say in Matthew 3.11 I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Um, The scripture is filled with that promise from our Lord Jesus Christ. I will wash you and you will be clean. And I will wash you personally and you personally will be clean. That's why I so love the catechism's question that begins, how do I know that this benefits me? Right? It's one thing to say that Christ washes. That's a glorious truth. But this gospel is more than he washes. The gospel is he washes you. He washes me. He washes us completely. And he says to us, I know it's hard for you to believe what the word promises, that Christ's blood has made you clean. The Christ Spirit has made you new. So I'm going to give you a very simple little ritual. It doesn't take much. If you've got a bowl of water, that's enough. And you're going to take that water and apply it to someone. And be reminded that it's as simple as that and as true as that. As simple as that and as true as that. Just as surely as water washes you when you're dirty so surely does the blood and spirit of Christ wash away your sins. There's not a single one of you who takes a shower and gets out and thinks, I hope that worked. Right? We, we don't think that way because we know how it works. It just works. We know that. And that's what Christ is telling us by baptism. This works. My blood and my spirit make sinners Clean. And so when we're wrestling with doubts, when we're wrestling with difficulties in life, one of the things that Jesus tells us to do is look to your baptism. Have I not promised you that just as surely as that water washes away dirt from the body, so my blood and spirit will wash away your sin? It will remove your guilt. It will remove your corruption. There's nothing left to fear. And why? Where was all of that secured? It was secured on the cross of Christ. He died for us there and secured everything we would need to be whole. And so that's what baptism does for us in a marvelous way. It just directs our attention there and helps to remind us the blood that was spilled there is sufficient to remove all of the guilt of your sin. And the spirit that was there with him that sustained him through that will be poured out on his people and will wash you and renew you after his image and sanctify you and make you whole. It's important for us to be reminded that as the people of God, that is our reality. We are those who are washed in the blood of the lamb. I'll end with Revelation seven thirteen through 17. Where John writes, Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. They're washed. Right? And then something happens as a result of that. The therefore comes. They're washed in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Why does all that come to the people of God? Because they're washed. They're washed in the blood of the Lamb. The blood of Jesus Christ that takes away the guilt of our sin. The spirit of Christ that renews us and regenerates us after his image. He has done it. He has washed you and made you clean. Let's rejoice in him and the cross that's made it possible. Amen. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, how thankful we are for your ability to make profound truth communicated to us in simple terms. We thank you that you who've made the eye and the ear know not only how to speak to your people, but how to show your people truth. And we thank you that you've given us something as simple as water that washes dirt from the body as a picture of that wonderful spiritual reality, that as surely as water washes dirt from the body, so surely does the blood and spirit of Christ cleanse the guilt and the pollution of our souls. Help us to cling to him and to look to him for our washing, to know that all the good that comes to us flows from being united to him by faith and to be washed by him. May we look nowhere else than the cross for our hope of salvation and find there everything we need for body and soul. Thank you for the rich and inexpressible gift of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory forever and ever. In his name we pray, amen.